seriously popular. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In today's episode... Is Pochettino failing at Chelsea? Will Rashford ever be the real deal? And who stole my seat on the train? I'm Ian Ladyman. I'm Chris Sutton. And it's all kicking off. Chris, I think we finally reached what you might call peak Chelsea. Chelsea have spent over a billion pounds in the Todd Burley era. And now Mauricio Pochettino says he wants him to spend some more. New players needed. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty alarming. Um, Pochettino sort of suggesting, well, not suggesting that, uh, you know, nailing the, the, those colours to his mask that he needs um, more players in at this moment in time. They they've been so odd this season. I think that uh, I think that you know in many respects uh, Pochettino's been getting away with it. Um, but now you know you look at the results, you look at where they are in the league, their position. They are the sixth best team in London. Think about that. Yeah. The sixth best team in London. You yeah, know, at, at this moment in time, when 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 was the last time Chelsea were the sixth best team in London? And with the spend and uh, and it not coming together, I think the uh, you know the not the, I don't know whether the pressure's on or not, but they can't just keep sort of uh, tiptoeing through the season and and us, us not putting them or people not putting them under scrutiny. And because of you know their their recent past, they have been serial winners, huge winners, won all the big trophies in the in the last twenty years under the uh, Abramovich era. And now um, you know last season was disappointing. People forget where Chelsea have been getting away with it this season. No European football. Yeah, you know, they have. That's a massive, massive advantage, and performances just haven't been there. It's a really good, really, really good point. A couple of good points there. The sixth best team in London, like, extraordinary. Um, their record in two thousand twenty-three under three different managers in the Premier League is thirty-nine points from thirty-nine games. That includes eighteen defeats. Um, for those people who like this stuff. Um, Graham Potter got 14 of those points from 13 matches. Uh, Frank Lampard got six from 10 matches. And Pochettino, the current manager, 19 points from 16 matches. Mm. That's not good enough from Pochettino, is it? That, that's not good enough because, I mean, you know, how do you judge a, a manager, a coach, um, you know, fairly uh, on, on whether they are improving the team? And have they improved that much? 
I think the bigger picture with with Chelsea uh, and you know the one thing that uh, that they all have in common is that, is that the the owner has sort of forced these players uh, upon them uh, and sort of said, well, you're going to have to make the most of that. And you know, essentially, this is a, a an owner. I I compare I'd, I'd compare the owner to like a uh, Todd Bowley to in terms of the players they've brought in to a sort of a rich drunk guy at a, at a sporting dinner who who buys all the uh, all the memorabilia and then he sort of he just wakes up the next morning and thought how's it you know I brought all these things and mishmashing them all together it. and don't, yeah don't know what to do with it and and, and Pochettino's in place now to sort of get the best out of this team he, he's, he's not doing it he wake he wakes up and he's he's got an he's got an Arsenal shirt in one corner and a, <laughs> trying to jot Tottenham shirt in the other he's bought bought both of them but, but, um, but that's what it has been yeah. hasn't it it's, you know it's it's been like championship manager it, it's it's it it's it was never going to be easy for Pochettino but um I think it's fair to say now you know when we're we're putting the boot into uh, to Manchester United and talking about their inconsistency um, I mean, Chelsea have been so, so disappointing. Now, now, that's a really, really good point because we do put the boot into Manchester United and we th- we don't apologise for that because Manchester United deserve, or Manchester United supporters deserve their team to be somewhere near the top of the table of the biggest football club in the world, the amount of money that they spend. So we don't apologise for putting the boot into Manchester United. However, if I was a Manchester United supporter or if I was a Manchester United employee or a player, I would think to myself, hang on a minute, all the back pages of the of the newspapers this morning, all the kind of TV sports bulletins, the radio bulletins. Why are Chelsea not leading any of these? Because if Manchester United were in this position, it'd be back page, front page, middle page, everything. And Chelsea, are, Chelsea aren't even on the back of some of the papers this morning. And I think one of the reasons for that, I was thinking about it, is I think we've got to a point now where people just think, people just almost shrug, shrug their shoulders and say, oh, it's just Chelsea. You know, it's just Chelsea. It's 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 what they do. They're unpredictable, and that in itself is a great indictment of them. That's a great mm. insult that we've almost got to a point where we half expect it. It doesn't shock us. It's just hard at this moment in time, based on what we've seen this season. I mean, I, I do the predictions every week. Uh, with Chelsea, I think I've got every prediction wrong this season. Every single one, because you just you haven't got a clue. Have they? Well, you, you sort of. I should have had a better clue. I should just, you know, have them to lose every week. But you, you don't know what you're going to get from one week to the next. So you know, level of the level of performance hasn't been there. Go up to Everton at the weekend, an Everton team who, um, you know, really on the up. But having said that, you think, you know, Chelsea could possibly get the result there. But you know, with the players they've got, and eventually it's going to click. That's what I keep thinking with Chelsea. It's going to click. It's going to click. And it it never really does. So a couple of things. I saw Chelsea play. I saw Chelsea get beat um, by Manchester United last uh, Wednesday night. And uh, having previously seen them narrowly beat Brighton at home, um, against United, they were wretched without the ball. With the ball, they they created chances, didn't take them. That's another that's another strand of this conversation we can go down. They created chances against United. That game could have been about four all. But without the ball, they were absolutely wretched. And they must have been, again, 
to to lose two nil yesterday at Everton, given that Everton only had twenty eight possession twenty eight percent of the play, and they still scored twice. So that makes me think again that they weren't very clever when they didn't have the ball. That's where your coaching comes in, isn't it? That's where your manager's got to got to find the fix. You don't find that fix in in the January transfer market. You find it on the coaching field. Yeah, so it's it's the manager who carries the canis, and that's an interesting sort of slant on this. But I think uh, Pochettino would say that he is coaching the players. I'd I'd, I'd be surprised with his his track record. We knew uh, the job which he did at uh, at Spurs, really developing young players into a a, a slick, uh, exciting, well-oiled outfit. So I would be surprised if he, you know, it it doesn't seem to me the type of manager who who isn't on the training ground and doesn't coach. I I suspect he'll be working as hard as he possibly can because he knows that this is a, you know, a good opportunity when he he took the job on at Chelsea uh, to to take a team who were, you know, struggling and spending a fortune – uh, to to a decent place again, but at this moment in time, he's he's finding it very very difficult. Do you know what he looked to me on the touchline after that game yesterday when I saw the highlights? He looked lost. He looked a bit lost. He didn't look like a guy who was raging angry, although I'm sure he was deep down. He didn't look like look, look like the guy who had an idea in his head that he was going to turn up at training today and this is what he was going to do and this is how he was going to put things right. He looked lost he looked a bit confused he then comes out and says and i'm quoting him if we are not aggressive enough on the pitch we need to do something what he means is we need to do something in the market well maybe but you also probably need to do something on the on the training ground and i'm i sound like i'm piling into him here and i don't want to because pochettino's got enough credit in the locker with with Tottenham, you but don't you don't on. you don't know. Well, I, I, I know he's has got enough credit in his locker with me personally to be given time at Chelsea. Although we know what happens at Chelsea, I'm sure Graham Potter thought he was getting time too. So I don't want to sound like I'm piling into him. However, I don't see an identity in that team, and I don't see an improvement. And you look around the Premier League, and you look at Everton, and you, you beat them yesterday, and you see an improvement. Dice, Sean Dice talks about authenticity about about that don't see much authenticity about Chelsea. So you see improvement at uh, uh, Everton. You see improvement in a short time uh, Aston, at Aston Villa. You see improvement at Tottenham under Postacoglu. You see, you even see imp- improvement after four days at Sheffield United under Chris Wilder. You don't see it at Chelsea under Pochettino. You don't, and I, I'm, I'm going to go back to that old phrase about a dead shark, that if a shark stops moving forward, right, or some sharks, before people correct me, some species of shark, if they stop moving forward, they die, right? And that's what happens to football teams. Football teams, at whatever level they play and wherever they are on the table, they've got to be moving forward to survive. You can't survive by standing still. <coughs> Chelsea aren't moving forward at the moment. And that, that's what that's what alarms me a little bit about Pochettino. But, so, but, but, but is this all on Pochettino? No. Or, or, or is it... Is it the players which have been sort of thrown together, and he's he's supposed to get the most out of them. And I've called them a development team um, in the past, and and that's what they are. So I don't doubt that he's he's you know of course he's working hard on the on the training ground and striving to get a you know a strong organised Chelsea uh, outfit back on that field again. But if the players aren't aren't actually carrying out the instruction, then. That's where the problem will be. But it's it's okay. It's not a balance. It's not a balanced squad. 
it's a squad at the moment, while Sonkunko isn't playing the striker, <clears throat> it's a squad without a goal, with an actual goal scorer. It's a squad that's probably too young. But equally, if you're a world-class coach, which is what we presume Pochettino to be, you should be able to throw 12 school children into a room and get the coach to improve them in some way because that's mm. what they're paid to do. And when I used to watch to um, Pochettino's Tottenham team, right, the press box at White Hart Lane, the old White Hart Lane, you, you, you'll have been in it, is, is, is very low, just above, the, uh, just above the tunnel, right behind the dugouts. It's not great for watching patterns of play as a journalist, but it's brilliant for seeing speed and power and understanding the real kind of cut and thrust of Premier League football. Pochettino's Tottenham team, from that point of view, you could not take your eyes off them. That mm. team with Walker and Trippier at fullbacks, uh, the two Belgians at, at, at centre-half, um, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, Eric Dyer, Harry Kane, uh, Christian Eriksen, Dembele, Sissoko, Ali. They were a force of nature to watch. They were athletic, they were powerful, they were fast. You could see what they were doing. You don't see any of that with Chelsea. So it's, the, play so, so it's the players then? Yeah, but get a tune out of them. You, so, so, I, yeah, either, okay. I, I, so either Pochettino's changed mm. or he's been given... Tough yeah, players then. Yeah. And if I was a Chelsea fan, don't get me wrong, if I was a Chelsea fan, I would want to know who who's, who was behind the Mudrick transfer, who was behind the Nicholas Jackson transfer. I'd want to know what the justification was for spending that amount of money on those two players. I'd want to know who the agents were. I'd want to know what the background checks were because you... because. I might be speaking early. Jackson's only had three or four months. Mudgwick's only had a year. But I tell you what, I watched those two play at Old Trafford and they're st they still look miles off. They still mm. look miles off. Seriously. And so it is, it is the, it is, in a, it is the, it is on the, on the club. It is on, on, on uh, Todd Bowley. It is on recruitment. But the coach is there to improve players, whoever they are. They're not, mm. they're not they can't all be duds, Chris. They got all because, no, and, uh, and the one uh, I okay. feel sorry for. Sorry, I'm ranting. I know. I'll calm down. The one I feel sorry for is Cole Palmer. Cole Palmer is like he's like a beacon of light in all that Albeit darkness. He, he dived at the weekend. In all that dark, yes, I believe. I haven't seen it, but yeah, I have read that. He's like a beacon of light in that darkness. That kid, and he must, and he must look around him and think, "Why am I the best player in this team already? Mm. Why am I the best player in this team?" You know? yeah, I get that, but I mean, so him asking, Pochettino asking for more players is is a, a cry for help. And, you know, he's telling the owner, a lot of these players you've given me aren't good enough. Um, Chelsea, uh, I mentioned mentioned before that, that if it was if it was Manchester United, we'd be hooting and hollering and going on and on and on about them, um, as we did last week. So last week we sat um, around this table and talked about um, United's latest disappointment. Um, you described some of the players in Ten Hag's dressing room as snakes. I, I, I suggested that Manchester United, watching my United, was like finding that gnarly bit of kind of slightly wrong popcorn when, in your bag when you were at the cinema. Um, have, you were there on Saturday when they lost 3-0 at home to Bournemouth. Having seen them over 90 minutes live in the stadium, did you see anything that made you think that maybe last week we were over the top? No, I thought maybe based on that performance... Uh... Maybe we were a bit soft on them. Really? I was... Oh, come on. Well, we couldn't... Man. Well, come on. We were, uh, I no, don't think I, we were. I, I, was, I was alarmed. Um, and with, with respect uh, to Bournemouth, who, you know, getting up and running and a, a well-organised team, and they are a well-organised team and they have a, 
a way of playing, as you, you know, you're sort of saying you don't know what Pochettino mm. and, and that style Chelsea have. You can see what Iriola is uh, is doing at Bournemouth, but for Manchester United to lose three nil at home to uh, Bournemouth three nil flattered Manchester United. It could have been four, could have been five, it could have been six, and uh, and Bournemouth were just an organised slick outfit where the players understood their roles and responsibilities. And Manchester United, in fairness, they had their had their moments, but they didn't really lay a glove on the Bournemouth goal. Neto had, a, I mean, you could have played in goal for uh, for Bournemouth uh, that particular afternoon, but it's uh, it's Manchester United this season, and we just have to grow accustomed to it. This is the way it's it's going to be. They are they are so inconsistent. They are one of many teams who are so inconsistent, but all the same, they are Manchester United. And the stuff about uh, players' attitudes and what uh, what have you, and Snakes was you know pretty strong, and I, I accept that. But I do I do stand by that. And then um, you see the comment uh, from from Bruno Fernandez, uh, the Manchester United captain, after the game, um, admitting that the players thought these are these are his words, not my words, that the players thought it was Bournemouth. It was going to be easy. Yeah. Really? I mean, that that in itself tells you everything you need to know about the mindset of this particular Manchester United dressing room. And in the past this is this has been a club who have have won everything. They have been the you know, they were the dominant force uh, in English football for such a long period of time with a manager at the helm who had serious clout and you know maybe maybe the players feared him a little bit I don't know whether the players actually fear uh, Eric Ten Hag and I don't necessarily think that's on Ten Hag I think he's got a, a really really diff- he's gone into a difficult situation and he's finding it tough at this moment in time after doing well um, last season but you know he spoke about Pochettino uh, and him looking I think bewildered is the right word I'd I'd, I'd Mm. I'd sort of say the same thing about Eric Den Haag. You know, he's standing in the technical area. He 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 can't. He couldn't have believed what he was seeing at the weekend. He went the program notes uh, before the game. I read his program notes before the game at the weekend, and he talked about the game against Chelsea. Uh, there was plenty of energy mm. uh, in the team. I mean, it was it was a, a a team bereft of energy. So how can you go? How can you go from that against Chelsea? To a performance at such an insipid performance against Bournemouth, I saw something on Twitter last night. It was a, it was a it was a recycled tweet from the official Manchester United club account from ten years ago this weekend, when David Moyes was manager, and this tweet on the official club account said, "David Moyes says MUFC must improve in a number of areas, including passing, creating chances." And defending. Now, it was lampooned at the time because it was kind of like, yeah, that's pretty much football, David. You've got improving everything. But the point now is that 10 years on, 10 years on, and absolutely nothing has changed. For, you, could, you, could, you could tweet that again mm. now and it would still apply. But one thing I was thinking about over the weekend when I noticed that Rash, Marcus Rashford didn't play is where, where what's going to happen to, Mar- to Marcus Rashford, right? Where's Marcus Rashford going to go now in his career? At 26 years old, 
um, when he should be really at his peak years or approaching his peak years, I'm beginning to worry for him a little bit. Um, he's not in Ten Hag's team. Um, rightly or wrongly, he's been labelled or he's been chucked in publicly with the band of kind of malcontents at Manchester United, kind of what's being, what's being portrayed as the anti-Ten Hag group, which would appear to include Sancho and Varane. Rashford's been lumped in with that lot. Don't know if that's don't know if that's right or not, but it's, it's been talked about. Um, I'm sure Marcus would would disagree. Um, but he's not playing, and he doesn't look right, and his body language doesn't look right. So where are we going to go with Marcus Rashford? Where, where's where's he going to go, Chris? What do you see when you see him? When you see him play? When you look at his numbers? What do, what do we see? He, he looks tormented at at this moment in time. I I think for him and his career, I think he. At this moment in time, he, he looks he looks bored, he looks stale. I think that he's a player who actually needs a move away from mm, Old you Trafford. Think so? Yeah, I, I, I do, and a fresh challenger. No, I, I think this was a debate during the rounds a, a couple of seasons mm. ago where he seems to have uh, have lost his way, but just seems to be meandering along. I think there are questions uh, about his his work ethic within the team and I think that that's it, it's a totally legitimate yeah. uh, question and, and, and criticism I don't think he's working hard enough but I think he, he looks like a player who needs a fresh challenge when you say he's not working hard enough I know that you can kind of uh, I know you wouldn't make that um, accusation lightly I absolutely know that you wouldn't do you mean um, when he's got the ball when he hasn't got the ball everything what's, what do you what yeah. do you you know what do you see when you when you if you shone a light on him for 90 minutes? Um, I think, you know, fundamentally a part of the problem at Manchester United, you compare them to the you know, real, the teams we would regard as the top teams in the, the Premier League. You see, you know, Manchester City haven't been flying this season, but there is a, a, a work ethic. You know, every player works hard in possession, out of possession. I think Manchester United carry players. I don't think that that's anything remarkable to say. And I think Marcus Rashford, you know, was, ha, has been one of those players. Anthony Martial, that was a strange choice at the weekend. Martial getting the nod over Hoyland. over Hoyland, albeit Hoyland coming under flack for uh, for not scoring a Premier League goal yet. But I mean, you, you there was there was a I think a match of the day highlighted it actually. Uh, Hoyland came on in the second half. Dallow got down the right hand side. Mm. And shot mm. from uh, when the angle was against him, when Hoyland had made a good run to the near post. I mean, what what chance has he got? You know, yeah. you have Anthony coming inside, wants a ball for himself. Anthony coming inside on his left foot and always trying to fire shots off. You have you know Garnacho, who actually I think Garnacho's actually yeah, done not too well. bad in you, you know in fairness, but. Hoyland looks like uh, you know one of those players where I think we all see a lot of endeavour, uh, an industry, but he needs people. Eventually, there comes a time when you need people to create opportunities, and I think he's, you know, essentially for him, he's playing with a lot of Manchester United players who actually care about themselves more than uh, the team, and that's that's his issue. Give him, create some opportunities, and, does, and then let's judge him. Does this is a hard question to ask? Maybe it's unfair, but does Rashford look to you like he's in that category of somebody who cares more about himself than he does the I think team? Think at this moment in time, yeah. Wow. I mean, I what I one thing I often think about Marcus Rashford is I just wonder if one of the issues, and maybe the main issue, is that I and I've thought this for two or three years now. 
I'm just not quite sure that Marcus is quite the footballer that we all thought he was when he came through and that some people still think he is. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that because I'm not saying he's not a, a top-class footballer because he is a top-class footballer. He's an exceptional footballer. But is he at that elite level that you need to be to stamp your authority on a team like Manchester United? I'm not sure that he is. I'm not sure he's a natural goal scorer. Um, we know he's not a number nine. He doesn't particularly want to play as a number nine. His, his goal scoring numbers are okay. I looked at them last night. They're okay. He had that. He had a, a thirty goal season last year, but but that to me doesn't prove that he's a that he's a thirty goal a season striker. That shows me that that was an outlier because he hasn't had any other seasons like that, and he's been playing for seven or eight. But I think his numbers are okay. But I don't think he's a number nine, and I'm not sure he's always effective enough coming off this coming off the left side either or that's whichever his, side. You know? his, his best position but I'm, off but that so, left-hand side. Jamie Cowger made a good point before the Manchester derby a few weeks ago. He was looking at the United team and he said that if you, if you were building a Manchester United team to win the Premier League and to maybe even challenge the Champions League and Marcus Rashford was your best player, then you ain't winning it. And I think, that's, I think that's a very good way of putting it. I'm just not sure. Like, would he get in a Liverpool team? Would he get in a Klopp team? Probably not. Get on, the, get on the bench. Would he get in? Would he get in a Guardiola team? No, I don't, I don't think he's getting ahead of Doku. No. So, so, so there you go. I mean, that is that that, that is kind of where it's at. I think with Marcus, I wonder if he's not quite the player that people thought he was going to be, and that some people um, still I, think that I, he is. I, I, th- I think that. Um, I think that his his career, like most people's career, has has been a bit of a roller coaster. There have been moments where he's been absolutely on fire mm. and unplayable. Uh, mm. But I think, you know, we can judge him on, on this season and what's going on at Manchester United. But just from his his point of view, his perspective, his performances, they haven't been there. And maybe it's, a, I don't know, a, a, a defence mechanism with him. There was a, um, I don't know whether, uh, there was a, a, a clip of him when he got subbed wasn't there? The, mm. Was it last week and muttering something on the bench? Mm. And yeah, yeah, there was. You know, whether but, whether he's sort of trying to give out this impression that he's he's not bothered. I think mm. he is bothered, but the only person who can, you know, do something about it is is himself. But that whole that whole festering dressing room and and what whatever you say. I know we're talking about Marcus Rashford now, but that whole mindset sort of festering, infecting the dressing room that they thought it, that it was going to be easy against Bournemouth, that tells you everything about, you know, Manchester United at this moment in time, the team and, and where they are going. Unless things change dramatically, unless the attitude change changes, unless the mindset changes, then this is just going to go on and go on and go, and it will it, it will get worse. Well, and, and we'd imagine that eventually Ericsson Hag would be the ultimate victim of that. What I would do say, just to flip it for a second, is that do you remember after the going back to Rashford? Do you remember after the Manchester derby? They get United get beat three nil, poor game. We're never in it. Get get done three nil at home, and Rashford goes out um, for his birthday. Goes out in town, and um, it appeared in some. Uh, newspapers and on some websites the story, others left it alone it was one of those where as a journalist you're not sure 
whether it matters or not. There's no no suggestion that he was, that, you know, the, that he was drunk or that he behaved poorly. But it was the, it was the perception of do you if you get beat in a Manchester derby, if you go back to the old days of Alex Ferguson saying that after that five one defeat to City in 1980 whatever, you know, he went home and cl- closed the curtains and pulled the duvet over his head and didn't come out for three days. That's the way that. So it's that it's that reaction as opposed to Marx's reaction, which is think, oh, well, I can still go out for my birthday. Now, we ran the story, a couple of other outlets ran it, others didn't. And what happened after that was that Ten Hag spoke at his next media conference, and I went to it, and he was asked about it. And I fully, and I think everybody else in the room thought, he'll just straight back this. He'll just say, he'll just say, oh, you know, no rules were broken, which they weren't. Um, Rashford's, it's Marx's spare time. He can do what he wants. He didn't say that. He actually called him out on it. He said, yeah, I've spoken to him about it. I can't remember the phrase he used, but he, but he made the point that it wasn't right. And I thought then, I thought, blimey, given what had happened with Sancho, in that he'd already, Ten Hag had already fallen out with Sancho, given that United were already in pretty choppy waters at that point, I drove home from that press conference thinking, has Ten Hag just made a mistake there by almost calling it on with with Marcus Rashford. Can you calling it on with Marcus Rashford? That's not the same as calling it on with Jaden Sancho or Diogo Dallow or Luke Shaw. It's Marcus Rashford, right? He's he's held in a particular regard at Manchester United and in this country for, for reasons other than what he's done on the football pitch. And I thought then that might in terms of Ten Hag and his discipline, that might be a step too far. And here we are, six weeks on, and I wonder, I wonder if it's if there's a connection there. Well, if get, there's a connection there. Yeah, uh, I think I said at the time that, that there's always that danger when a, a manager calls a player out publicly, especially in a, in an instance. I suppose from Rashford's perspective, that it's a, you know it's his birthday for yeah yeah heaven's sake. Doesn't mean that he was he was out drinking, but he may not have uh, you know have taken that well. But once again. Uh, you know, a manager's asked the question. He he answers honestly, and we pan, mm. we pan him for that. I'm not but but him for no, 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 no. Well, pan's the I'm wrong word. But, but 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 so I wonder the, the, the yeah. But the the point being, uh, with with what's gone on this season at Manchester United, um, and question marks over some of the players within that dressing room. Uh, you know, maybe he's. He's one who you know didn't take that well, and you can. I'm not a body language expert, but I think we all see a an unhappy Marcus Rashford but, but, at this moment in time. Know, but you know, when you're at home, or even when you're at work, I'm, and I'm not, you're rarely at home. Much, yeah. To be fair, yeah, I think I see you more than more than your wife. But um, when you're at home, when you're at work, and I prefer my wife. Don't to you. you think slightly best looking? Don't you think that you pick your battles? You don't you? I don't. I don't. You, you uh, pick one of your I, I, no. I, <laughs> I used to. I used to, and then I got married. <laughs> well, I, I pick mine. I pick mine, and there's certain things that happen at home or at work that you let go, and the other things that you don't. And I just think whether I wonder if Eric Ten Hag picked the wrong battle there with Marcus Rashford. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, but, but you like you like transparency and honesty. You you like yeah yeah. So and I backed him over Sancho. Yeah, I backed him over Sancho yeah. because San, what Sancho did was blatantly disrespect him. And Rashford didn't do that. Rashford went out for for a drink in a private in a private area of a club, and that didn't offend me. It didn't offend me at all. I wouldn't have done it because of the perception, mm-hmm. right? I go back to the Fergie thing. I think I'm with Fergie on that one. 
the perception wasn't great, but I'd have left it if I was Ten Hag. He didn't break any rules. Sorry, you didn't break any rules. No curfew broken. I'd have left it. And I wondered then, I thought, if you've picked, a, if you've picked the wrong battle, coming on the back of Sancho, and maybe this, maybe what we see now is gonna, not disconnected. I'm just going to write this down. Ian Ladyman doesn't like honesty um, from managers. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Right, so I was I was on a train full of pretty disgruntled Manchester United. Sports. First class again? What do you mean again? Um, I'm not sure Vanty do first class. Every train's so busy they just declassify them, and everyone sits on the floor. Oh, um, dear. Um, oh dear! It's not unrelated to what I'm about to tell you. So I was on a train Saturday, <clears throat> coming from uh, Stockport South to to London to go to the Stockport, Luton. Very affluent. To go to the Luton Man City game yesterday. So weather's awful in Stockport. There's trees down on the it's line. Not, it's not raining, is it? <laughs> Strangely, trees down on the line. The whole the whole. Uh, uh, train schedules up the spout. So it's one of those where you get on the train and you know that it's just mobbed. You know you know that they're going to be standing in the aisles and sitting on the luggage racks and, you know, curled up in the lavatories and all the rest of it. And it's going to be miserable. You're not going to have your, your nice two hours. You're not going to get your nice two hours with your newspaper or your, or your podcast or watching something on your iPad. It's going to be grim. But, so I get on the train, but I've got a reserved seat, right? I've got a reserved seat. But you know, don't you? You know, you know that that seat is not going to be free, is it? You're not oh. going to kind of you're not going to be kind of fighting your way through the bodies. Who was then, in your seat? Hang on. You're not going to be fighting your way through your, these bodies and then get to your seat. It's got to be there like a, a preserved oasis of calm. Someone's going to be sitting in it. Mm. So the, I'm then in that kind of classic kind of English kind of uh, existential dilemma over what over what to do, right? But I'm thinking, right, so you, know, you know me, I'm not, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a tough guy. I'm not a fighter. But equally, I want to sit down. Yeah. So I thought to myself, right, I'm going to go and have a look who's in my seat. That's what I thought. And if I get there and it's kind of, you know, some kind of big Man United fan who's kind of six cans in, then I ain't going to be yeah. asking him to move. But I thought, you never know, right? Mm. So, so I get there and there is someone in my seat. It's Angus Dayton. But yeah, have yeah. I got news for you? Who is a big Man United yeah, fan? It's Angus Dayton. So I think, oh, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect somebody famous to be in, to be in my seat. So then I'm like, so I'm loitering, thinking, what am I going to what am I going to do? So what, what? First of all, what would you do? I would have I'd have asked him to move. But you'd probably have asked anyone to move, wouldn't you? Uh, 
Well, not an old lady, yeah, but, but no, within reason. No, no I, I, if, if I'd reserved that seat, Would you? old lady or not, I'd say, come on, up you get, come, <laughs> come on. on that's, my, that's, that, anyway, that's, that's my seat. I then seat. made this kind of connection in my mind. I thought, well, yes, I can ask him to move because he can't kick off. Yeah. Can't kick off, can he? Because he's famous. He's Angus Dayton, so if he yeah. kicks off, he's yeah. going to get... Well, you've, re- you've reserved a seat. That's, no, your, that's your... No, that... I know, but the point is, if it had been, like, you know, a big bloke or whatever, might have just said, I'm not moving. What am I yeah. going to do? But he's got to move, isn't yeah. he? Because he's famous, so he's got yeah. to move. Otherwise, he's got to be known as Angus Dayton. He refused to move on the on the kind of... You could have done a spread in the mail about yeah. it. So I asked, yeah. I asked him, and he just looked like... He just looked devastated. Oh. He just thought because dev- he knew that that was it. He, you know, he was then two and a half hours standing up to 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 Euston as well. And what was his when when he got up? Was it a, what was his? Sort of, he just did like he? just touched and walked off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent the next two and a half hours kind of imagining imagining him kind of you know lying on the floor by the bin further down, further 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 down the train. So 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 uh, no, there we go. Um, sorry, Angus. If, if you did, you say thanks. Of course, I said thanks. Yeah, I didn't. And I didn't you let have on to him. thank him. That's your seat. I didn't. Let, I didn't. Was it presumptuous though, of him to oh, take your seat? Oh, does it, mate? Because because get on the reservations, people like don't. Loads line, of people. Yeah. Loads of people don't. Loads of people don't turn up. Um, mm. I then got. I then got to the hotel in London. and It was late. It's about half eleven. But I thought I really fancy a pint. So there was a pub. Pub open next door. So I thought, I'm going to go. And Angus Deaton was no, in the bar. Then. In the pub. Then. <laughs> so I went in the boozer. And it's amazing being in a pub sober when everyone else is absolutely leathered. Mm. Yeah, especially at Christmas when we've got all kinds of people in the pub who wouldn't normally wouldn't normally be out. You know, I mean, it gives you a fascinating view on what we all look like when we've had, <laughs> when we've had when we've had a few drink, <laughs> drinks. Essentially, um, mm. so there we go. We um, should do a pod actually. So what great great train six, journeys of our life? No, six pints in. Six pints in. I think you'd be better. On, I think you'd be better. I think you'd be better than I would. You'd be on. <laughs> no. You'd be on snake bite. <laughs> we could call off. Call that'd be a great title for pod six bites. My, my wife used to drink six snake, bites and snake bite. Snake bite and black. Has she been? Has she been drinking the night you met? <laughs> or just every night since? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. So back to the serious stuff. Um, Gal Lineker says he's turned his back on VAR. Um, not, uh, not. I think he, his point is that he was for it. Now he isn't. Um, Roy Hodgson says he's fed up of football because of decisions and the way the world the way the world is going. Have we had another bad weekend from that point of view, or um, is it just an easy way out now for people? I'm beginning to wonder if it's a latter, and I think it was for Roy on Saturday. I think it was easy to stand there and say that. Um, yeah, but can, can we understand his frustration? Yeah, I, his, t- I, yeah I, his team had tossed away one 0 yeah, lead and lost, and the, the sending off was harsh. Why? Why? Mm. Have you seen it? Mm. Uh, I've seen it. I, I I hate the uh, the first yellow card just uh, b- because it's it's housery from Van Dyke, exactly. isn't it? Uh, because because you yes it is why? because well, you are so so what explain why so there was a, a a free kick awarded to Liverpool and as a player every player would do this every, any outfield well. Yeah, any outfield player would do this. That when there's a free kick, you naturally just stand just stand in front of the ball. Nearest player would stand in front of the ball to stop the opposition taking a free why kick. Why is that okay? Um, it, I'm, I'm not so, but that's 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 what happens. Why is it okay? Because mm. you're trying to stop the other team from scoring as a as a as a basic principle. Everybody everybody does that, and then he got he got carded because Van Dyke kicked the ball 
uh, at him. But this this happened in such a short space of time. It wasn't like it was 10 seconds he was standing in front of the ball. It was like a second or two, and then Van Dijk is chucking, chucking his arms up and, get, and gets him yellow carded. And the second one, I, the, the, the second uh, yellow card, I thought was, you know, really, really soft as a yellow card. So that's, so you're asking why is Roy Hodgson angry? That's why he was angry. The first angry. one, this is the type of thing that football referees have been asked to, asked to clamp down on, okay? They've been asked okay. to clamp down on dissent, on sporting behaviour. I watched it again last night. Ayu makes two moves to stand in front of that ball and he gets the yellow. So listen, going back to something that you've talked about before on this podcast, once you're on your yellow, behave responsibly and behave as though you're on the yellow and that's what he didn't do it was it, the, the trip the second one was soft accidental but wh- it wasn't that, well reckless he wasn't going to get the ball accident, accidental so behave responsibly once you're on a yellow don't well, do don't, it don't don't, don't try do and, it. don't don't tackle don't engage the other one the other one this week i think the one that, that maybe Lineker might have been referring to was the arsenal disallowed God. the arsenal disallowed why are you sounding w- weary about this because i i don't i don't get where anybody was going with this over the weekend we've got arsenal fanboy uh, producer kicking off about uh, we can name know, him you know henry our producer henry. have a name well, we, we, you we, always call him the producer he's called henry oh but that that's uh, you know makes him feel important uh, I mean, we can name him. We can give his address out. Um, <laughs> but it, it, you know, the, by the to the letter of the law, everybody knows that if you if if you handball, if you have a handball and end up scoring, the fact that you've handballed, then uh, the goal is is disallowed. And and that was a case with with Havertz. So I didn't see what all the kerfuffle was about that. The kerfuffle is down is down to frustration. Arsenal are realising yet again that it's really bloody hard to win a Premier League. And I would also make the point, it's particularly hard to win a Premier League if you haven't got a... So almost swore then. If you haven't got a centre-forward, which I think is we've talked about before, they created chances at Villa on uh, Saturday. And if they had a decent centre-forward, they'd probably have taken three of them. Anyway, the frustration is that Arsenal are finding it tough. They can sense weakness in Manchester City and they're not exploiting it, which is what we talked about last week. But... I have sympathy with the goal. It, it, sorry, the disallowed goal at the end. Um, it, it was right to be disallowed because right. because because under the under the current um, interpretation of the of the handball law, it's handball, but it's a stupid law. It's a stupid law. It's probably the most stupid law in football these days. That if you if you handball the ball by accident. In the general field of play, it's not handball unless you're kind of got your arms out wide like a chicken, okay, or you got them in the air like a star. It's not handball. But if it happens to you in the scoring of a goal, it is handball. What a load of nonsense! But it's... That's a load of bollocks. Why would why would you be a la- why would you have? Why, to... why are you getting so angry about a, 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 a law that everybody knows? It's That's stupid, Chris. It's stupid. Handball well, is either handball or it's not. And that is why... And, and if it's a handball over there, it should be a handball over there. It's stupid. And that is what frustrates people. But everybody under, uh, understands what? that. So, so going into the game, everybody, when, when, they, when they set out managers, the players are, are standing there on the pitch ready to go. Everybody knows that that is, that is the law. So just, just get on with it. Why is everybody so... Why are you so angry about that? I, I get wound up about things that make our that spoil our game. 
That right? That's but why. That's, that's why I'm. But, always, but, but then that, Aston Villa would have been furious at the goal. Hey, it's the right decision. I've just, I said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's but, right but, 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 why, why are you getting so angry about oh, something which is the right you, decision? Look, you agree with me, really? You're just trying to. Yeah, no, but I know, but I don't. I don't, I don't see uh, this. Is this is point? It's, it's a pointless argument. No, because we are no, because if people like us, and to be fair, other certainly more high-profile um, and uh, commentators than myself or, or people in the game, managers, if they don't highlight the things that really are wrong, then they never change. But still, so, they, and they, I think they, you they, need they to will make, still become a subjective part of that, no, that whole... Uh, I will not stop making noise about things in football that spoil the game. Mm. So, and So I will not stop making noise about uh, taking away FA Cup replays trying to deep down, downgrade the League Cup. I won't stop making noise about totally useless, crap competitions like the World Club Cup um, and uh, the Super European Super Cup that don't matter, that just tire players out. Uh, FA Cup semi-finals at Wembley. I won't stop moaning about that stuff because that's stuff that I care about and that's the stuff that could be changed if people had the balls to do it or if people people in the game weren't so wrapped up in their own self-interest to open their eyes and look at the things that are damaging the game. And crappy laws like this have damaged the game. They damage the mm. game because they make no sense. Okay. And we had to so I understand. We, had, we I... had to look at this law. When we came in this morning, we I went on the IFAB website and I looked at it just to check that I even understood it. And I think I do understand it. And I understand that it's wrong. And if I was So what would it, you change it to? Handball as as it was when we grew up. When we grew up, we knew what handball was. Right. Deliberately playing the ball with your hand, it's handball. But, but, but then, okay. they're, but then they're, they're, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, okay? But then there becomes the subjectivity, that, that area of sub- subjectivity. So, so what they've tried to do <clears throat> in this instance is, is take subjectivity out of it. Mm. So is that not a good thing? Not on, not in this case. I, I, but the sub, Chris, the subjectivity when it comes to to fouls and tackling and handball and obstruction, um, the subjectivity in all of that, and we can't remove that, can you? you can't remove that. Well, that, well, that you well, can the, only remove subjectivity. But they've removed it in this instance, and then you're, you know, you're. I'm, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying we should try to. At some point. Everything is open to interpretation in a fast-moving game, apart from the factual things like offside and whether the ball's over the line. Everything's open to interpretation. And this should be as well, because in, in, no, in no right person's mind, in no, on no planet, in no universe, in no, exi- in no parallel world, is it handball? If the ball just hits you when your arm's by your side, it's not handball and you know it. You were thinking what's bigger than the universe, though, weren't you? <laughs> A, and there, there was another guy actually. Bournemouth had a. That was amazing. I, I was thinking that as well. Thinking I'm not great. Also, on my, I was. No, I was thinking Milky Way. I was, uh, I'm not great on the galaxies. I, I was thinking you were going down a, a big black hole yeah, there. Um, no, uh, you, you know there was uh, Bournemouth. Not for the first time. Bournemouth scored a goal at the weekend. That would have been four yeah, yeah. nil. A t- similar thing where there wasn't an intentional handball from uh, uh, Django uh, Utara when he, yeah. when he scored, and that was a, and you think you know. It, incredibly harsh but it is everybody does know that yeah. so you know I, I i think i think it's a it's a tough one but at the time honestly when it happened and everybody's watching and but at least at least as a viewer i knew that the goal would be disallowed because yeah. that is the law 
Otherwise, imagine the kerfuffle had it gone to, to and, VAR. And Henry, our Arsenal sporting producer, did make the point here earlier that Matty Cash seemed to handle it before Havertz but that, but that, that, but that's that allowed a, yeah, and that's my point no, so that, he's allowed but, to handle it but Havertz isn't yeah, what that, a load but, of nonsense but that was a that was, but that was Henry Arsenal fanboy just just wanting Arsenal anyway, to have that, have that goal called we quickly I briefly mentioned Manchester City a minute ago I was at their game yesterday decent comeback what an atmosphere it kind of a throw by the way when that goal went in at half time just for half time the Luton go absolutely jumping the place was absolutely brilliant um, the uh, the Luton fans were singing by the way um, what was it they were singing they were singing Com- conference champion at City conference conference champions you'll never you'll never say that which I thought was lovely <laughs> then the bloke behind me in the stands says to his mate says you know what they might do <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they might, they might do if the these 115 thing, yeah. charges yeah. ever get proven <laughs> they might do um, Erling Haaland um, didn't play first game of the season the Premier League is missed um, Guardiola was um, speaking in, in tongues afterwards about it um, he was asked about it and the first thing he said was please don't say it's a broken foot well, if you say to a bunch of journalists don't say it's a broken foot you immediately think blimey maybe it's a broken foot um, he then mentioned stress fracture without saying that it was a stress stress fracture but mentioned that word as well those words as well that sounds like a worry for City you've got to say that that is bearing in mind City's form of late and they got over the line against Luton I mean Amazing scenes. There's a couple of... T- I mean, you think about the scenes uh, when Arsenal scored late against Luton. Mm. You know, Luton are giving uh, oh, clubs yeah. a, a, a run for the money. But uh, that was a... You could see real relief from, from Pep and Manchester City. But if he misses a prolonged period of time, I mean, blimey, they're, they're going to have to really graft to win the title this season, aren't they? Right. So I'm not going to see you next week, which is already, which is already oh. worrying me. Um, anyone who wishes to... Uh, maybe we could charge... Maybe we could put... a you know, your seat up for up for auction. Yeah. See how see yeah. what bids we get for people to come and sit in your seat for a week yeah. or for a day. Then they'll see how easy this really Just, is. Just yeah, day in in my shoes. What a what a treat. No nightclub afterwards. Right. That's the end of that one. Um Thanks everybody for listening. As always, um, I would ask our usual uh, small favour. Small favour. Those of you who listen regularly, please do subscribe to the show. Um, it's really important um, in terms of. Uh, the way that podcast algorithms work, etc. It's really important not just to listen to us, but subscribe to subscribe to us as well. It will help you. It will mean that every Monday this show will pop up on your device without you having to go searching for it. Um, apart from that, please remember to go to Mail Online for all your breaking sports news. You can download and subscribe to the Mail Plus app. Chris and I will be together on Thursday over Zoom for our It's All Kicking Off uh, weekend preview show. Um, but most importantly of all, please remember to be back here next Monday for the next episode of this uh, nonsense. Um, I'm Ian Ladyman. Um, the chap uh, to my left is Chris Sutton. And this has been It's All Kicking Off. Mm-hmm.